everyone. Welcome to the Every Child Podcast. Uh, I'm part of the marketing team with Rearwood Floors, uh, and today we are interviewing the Gill family. Would you guys uh, care to introduce yourselves? Would we ever. <laughs> my name is uh, Taylor Gill. Uh, this is my wife, uh, Rachel, and we have our son, Elijah, who is 18 months? 17. 17 and counting. And we have our foster daughter, Ami, as well. And we have a third uh, baby boy on the way. So wow. we are, are living it up in Delaware over here. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Uh, how long have you guys been married? Oof, I got to get this one right. We are, at, <laughs> we are at four years as of June 24th. So Wow. Thank you. Thank you. It's actually flown by, at least for me. I can only speak for myself. <laughs> yeah. But... I really can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> yeah, totally. I guess that what was the early stages flew by faster or the later? Definitely the, the later. Two years later. Definitely, definitely the later. Yeah. When you add kids to the mix, you get way, <laughs> way busier. And it doesn't yeah. even seem like a thing anymore. No. No. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Awesome. So uh, what, what kind of led you guys uh, to adoption? So I think that we, yeah, we've always been interested in foster care and adoption. We talked about it when we were dating. We both come from families who have adopted, so we have adopted siblings, and we just always loved it. We loved how it was so special to us growing up to have people become part of our family who were not part of our family at one point, and just what an impact it made on our siblings' lives who were adopted. So just all around a really great experience for both of us. So we were really interested in doing it. And then about two years into marriage, we finally kind of moved into a situation where we were able to open our home to kids before we had lived in really small apartments. And legally, you have to have like a separate bedroom for kids you were going to foster. And through conversation and just kind of... Um, being practical and financially uh, aware of what we could do, um, we decided to go the foster care route. So we started that in April of 2019. We like signed up for our first foster care classes as we were moving into our new house. And then 10 months later, we got our first call. So, so yeah, rest is history. Wow. That's a, that's a pretty, pretty, uh, big jump from being because uh, you guys didn't have you, you didn't have any kids before so you're going straight into it was that kind of scary for you guys yeah it definitely was uh, we were excited you know just at the prospect obviously uh, we, we've always wanted to have you know a big family uh, we both come from pretty big families I'm one of seven um, she's one of five so it's something that we always wanted uh, I think you know conceptually it was very exciting but then once you you have the the preparation kind of knowing that we could get a call got a little overwhelming just knowing how much we had to get that we didn't have uh just baby proofing an apartment something as simple as that um and we actually did not get um, our our son until we moved into the house but just the the list of things that we had to get in order to be ready uh, just to bring one kid home uh, was was pretty daunting and now uh we're working on number three so it just uh grows exponentially with each one (laughs) yeah yeah for sure and we were we were open to any kids i think three and under when we opened our home so it could be boy or girl 
and you know when you're preparing for any kids three and under you have to have a crib you have to have like toddler bed or like a twin bed you have to have all sorts of different clothes and things like that so I had been like slowly trying to prepare but preparing for kids that I didn't know right I didn't know what they would need so that was kind of a hard part and then also it was just a little scary not knowing what to expect because foster care the nature of foster care and the goal of it is reunification so um i think that we were trying to be open to whatever god had for us Mm -hmm. and we were still obviously really scared we felt really called to foster care especially the more that we um went through the process and talked to other families who had done foster care but again just really worried that we would get really attached and then get our hearts broken um but god is really merciful and gracious and our story has ended up being you know really a good one so far you know not a lot of heartbreak so far but yeah we'll talk about that more as we go through (laughs) yeah totally um so uh, because you guys don't necessarily have um your story starts with foster care um what uh what were resources that you guys sought out for with foster care before going into or was it uh, foster care and adoption resources at the same period or time or was it a uh, one portion we looked into foster care first then adoption like um i know you guys have the background with your families but was there other information books organizations uh or any any pieces of content groups i know groups are a huge thing for a lot of people yeah so um one of my best friends had just done foster care through the state and she you know had been doing it for probably like a year and a half and she was like kind of closing her home as we were starting to pursue opening hours actually mm-hmm. and she was just a great resource as we were walking through I could ask questions of her she was with the same agency that we used um, so she just gave me a really good understanding there's so many different players involved in foster care from, you know, the court situation to all the social workers. And um, that was really, really helpful. I also listened to a lot of podcasts. So I still listen to them all the time. I'm addicted to the Forgotten Initiative podcast. Every time that they have a new one, I listen to it the same day it comes out. <laughs> and then um, the Real Mom podcast, which is a foster mom. I think her name is Jamie Finn. And she does a bunch of interviews with different foster and adoptive moms. And that one was also really, really helpful just in gaining a better perspective and keeping my mindset like Christ focused Mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to protect myself um, from getting hurt through foster care. So. Hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting. You talk about um, foster care and then adoption, like what was the order? Um, And typically, you know, from what we'd seen, there were a lot of families in our church that had, you know, adopted a lot that had fostered and then adopted and we have families that are still uh, just fostering. So it's really cool to have those examples. Uh, we kind of had a very unique case in that our first call um, was a boy who, you know, basically was a, a slam dunk adoption case, you know, from two days old. Mm. And that's pretty rare in the foster care system. So we kind of right away were like, wow, we really need to start preparing you know, for adoption because they, they had said, you know, this is about as sure as it gets that it's going to come to adoption. Wow. So we had to immediately start 
um, looking into getting our adoption training, um, looking at, you know, other adoption resources, kind of picking the brains of these families in our churches who had adopted. So it was a pretty unique case in that we didn't have the, the fostering element first, really. So it's pretty, pretty immediate. Um, and you, you were not expecting that at all. Well, and, 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 and to elaborate a little slam dunk situation look like, what does that mean that someone, uh, that it was so, uh, close to a potential adoption? What, could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, this case, uh, was something called a safe arms case, which is something that we had to learn a lot about, you know, as did our workers, because I think at the time they'd said this was the first kind of this case that they had seen in the entire state of Delaware. You know, I think the judge said the same thing and he had a lot of experience. Um, so basically, uh, what that means is when a baby is left at a safe place, whether it be a fire station or a hospital, um, and the, the parent, you know, is able to leave them there and then, you know, asks to not be identified. So and that is when the safe arms law kind of kicks in. So in a usual uh, case, they would go through the courts. Uh, there might be other families that they present, you know, whether it be extended family or, you know, maybe the immediate uh, biological parents uh, will try and fight for custody as well. Usually it's uh, just a pretty messy, long, drawn-out court battle. And in this unique instance, it was, you know, basically this this boy is, is going to be your son if you guys want him to be, which we absolutely, you know, did. I think we were crying the day that we got the call. And I was in the DMV, which is, you know, probably the only <laughs> good experience I've ever had there. <laughs> Definitely by far the best. So, yeah, just, and again, um, not a case that we have heard of happening since, at least in this state. Uh, so I just think, you know, God's hand in all of that, you know, with the timing of everything, um, it's just never been more present in my life and in our lives, I think, than right there. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever really you know, doubted his goodness, you know, since then, just like any time mm -hmm. that any doubt creeps in, I just, I'm reminded looking at my son, it's like, wow, I mean, this was so clearly orchestrated, you know, for months and years. And we even mm -hmm. had to miss uh, a call a couple days earlier because they had taken down my phone number incorrectly and wow. so by the time we called back uh, they had already you know sent that placement to another family so it's, it's truly just uh just miraculous and you know the divine uh, presence in all of this uh, case has just been really obvious to us so that's really encouraging to us and i, I like to share it with people to encourage them as well mm. so what, what did that uh what did that time look like from the phone call to actually being able to see your son? So I think we got the phone call on a Tuesday and we learned that he was in the NICU. Um, and I basically was like, can I go see him like right now? I'll leave work. I'll do whatever. I really want to go and meet him. <laughs> and so they said, you know, we'll look into it. Normally they don't allow that. For foster parents because the biological parents are normally still they still have custody of children even if they're being taken into dfs custody during the NICU stay so anyway i found out that i could go the very next day and taylor and i both went after work i mm -hmm. think the yeah. very next day yeah. and we held him and he was this tiny five pound nothing peanut <laughs> <laughs> with very tiny. Very, very tiny with giant lips and he's so <laughs> cute. 
Um, and so then the next, the rest of the week was just kind of a blur of me going to the hospital any possible second I could. Um, Taylor actually got a cold like the very next day. And mm. so he wasn't allowed to go back into the NICU for the rest of that week. Mm. Um, did you get to go one more time, maybe? Yeah, I got to go one more time, and then you stayed the night with him. Yeah, and then the rest of the week happened. I think Sunday night I was able to stay with him in the NICU overnight, which was really nice and, like, a cool transition time for me because, obviously, I'm, like, a first-time mom, and I've never, you know, had to take care of a baby all night long. So (laughs) it was nice to be able to do that with nurses still there in case I needed to ask them a question or anything. And then we got to bring him home a little, I guess it was just one week after we got yeah, It was the, on my birthday, Monday, yeah. Monday morning. Yeah. yeah, it was Taylor's birthday. Mm. And then, um, then the first like six weeks after he was home, it was just a blur of not sleeping. And Oof, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah the, the, the honeymoon period ended there. <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, just um, being up all night, worried about him. Mm-hmm, Every mm-hmm. little noise he made, I was it was hard for me to sleep. <laughs> but we have really wonderful family who lives locally. And then Taylor's mom came down to help us. And that was just such a blessing. All of them kind of pitching in. And people brought us meals from church. It was just like really great support during that time. I felt so loved. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was really wonderful. So Wow, that's awesome. So... What was um, what was the process between bringing your your child home to, um, actually and and at that point you're fostering right as soon as, um, yeah. correct. So yeah. what was the point from this the child's here fostered to adoption? Like what was the time period in between that? Yeah, it was interesting because you know from everything we've been told, uh, you know there was going to be very smooth, very quick. Um, you know, he came home, you know, February 24th and our adoption date was December 31st. And so that was still, you know, over 10 months, you know, it's something that was, you know, there's no contest, there's no nothing. I mean, that's just, and, and COVID certainly slowed down the court process, but it was definitely, um, an eye-opening experience, just kind of our first, you know, court dealings, just kind of learning about all the hearings that had to take place, um, all the documentation that the various caseworkers had to prepare. Um, And so we were just technically fostering him for those first 10 months. So there's still a lot of nerves going into it, you know, until it became official. You know, we were letting ourselves be nervous from time to time that something might go wrong. Um, And we had different um, kids still uh, coming in and out of the home. Uh, We fostered a sibling group a couple months later uh, for a week and then we had another little girl uh, for a week so just really uh, getting thrown you know headfirst not only into the the foster care process but also just all the the legal proceedings and everything that goes with an adoption so a lot of uh, a lot of learning on the fly that's for sure yeah mm. so is that pretty common to be at, in a foster care situation adoption and still having other kids that are coming in to the home? Yeah, I think it's just kind of your decision as a family to stay open or not. Um, Some people recommend closing your home after a certain period of time. 
if like after the adoption is finalized to try to, you know, work on and facilitate bonding. Um, we didn't feel like that was necessary for us, um, especially with all of the extra time we had with him, both being home all the time and um, just getting in uninterrupted bonding with him all the time. And also we really just, I don't know, I have a hard time saying no when I get calls <laughs> about other kids. Soft to you. Yeah. And, and the whole time we're just praying that, you know, God would lead us and God would bring kids to us that, you know, needed us for whatever time it was, whether it was short or long. And um, those other kids that came during that time before Ami came to us, it was, you know, definitely challenging. We would, you know, get a call, we'd pick them up. We wouldn't have the things that we needed for them. So we would, you know, run around buying, you know, bigger diapers and new clothes. And then we'd hear from social workers, oh yeah, this is going to be like a long-term placement, you know, get ready for the long haul. We'd start prepping our home for a long-term and then, you know, within a week they were gone. So wow. those situations were challenging. They kind of got us acquainted at least minimally with the idea of loss in foster care. And then also just to, you know, wait out um, that first court hearing, because normally they have court within a week in Delaware, at least. Mm -hmm. um, and that makes a lot of decisions for how the case is going to go before you start kind of like turning your life upside down for a new placement. So and then when we got the call about Ami, we were very kind of ready for her to go back because the last three had gone back so quickly. Mm. And the foster care worker, you know, basically said, she's going back, you know, there's other family. If, you know, um, the bio parents aren't able to get her back right away. So don't get too attached. Like she said it all very bluntly. And I was mm. like, okay, yeah, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to <laughs> do this for a short time and let him go. We've just done it like three times. And then you know, they kept telling us that like week after week, month after month. And then finally they wow. were like, okay, this is kind of going to be a long-term placement. And now she's been with us for over uh, 10 months, over 10 months. Yeah. Wow. So. That's amazing. That's amazing. So it seems to be a lot like, um, there are a lot of the things that you guys had to learn, not necessarily like you do have a portion of like preparing and learning, but some, uh, some, or to a majority of it is just on the fly getting information, getting help and, and learning like what you need to do. Is, is that correct or? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, you get something called a, a level of care when you get a foster placement and that's supposed to be kind of everything that, uh, you know, the social workers know about the case, about the family, about the kids. And, you know, we're like, Oh, okay. You know, that'll, that'll be really helpful. And then you get these files and, you know, they're about as bare as can be. And it's mm. basically like, sorry, like, we know very little and that's not their fault. I mean, that's just yeah. the situation how it is. So you're really coming in, you know, pretty blind most yeah. of the time. And like us as foster parents, especially me, because Taylor's way more laid back than I am, but <laughs> I like want to know as much as I can. So of course I'm like pestering the workers with questions and they're trying to answer me as best they can because they're all wonderful. Mm -hmm. But you know, sometimes they might give me an answer which is what they think, but it ends up not really being the case, right? And it's not their fault at all. 
Um, so I've just, one of the things I've definitely learned is to, you know, take everything that is said with a grain of salt mm -hmm. and just realize that, you know, they don't really know as much and they're just trying to appease me with, you know, answers sometimes and trying to be as helpful as they can, but to not put too much stock in um, one thing or another, but try to trust God with it. Mm -hmm. Just really hard and definitely easier said than done. Yeah, we've kind of had no choice at yes, times. Definitely. <laughs> For sure. So how has, um, how did the portion of you, when you figured out that you were pregnant and now you have a kid and then now you're having more children come in, what was that process <laughs> like? <laughs> Gosh, what a great question. <laughs> uh, it was very funny. Uh, I'll let Rachel uh, do most of the speaking as she's the one uh, carrying the child. Mm -hmm. Mine is but a food baby, but... <laughs> There was, uh, we had, we had just gotten Ami uh, back in September. Uh, she was four or five weeks old when we got her and we, we'd kind of figured out that she might be, you know, a longer term placement eventually. And so we were both like, you know, it, it really would be a crazy time to have a kid of our own. Uh, so let's just, let's just cool it for a little while. Like we, we have our hands full with two. And then I think maybe a week later, um, yeah. you know, Rachel comes out, uh, <laughs> And tells them with I'm a, pregnant. With a positive test. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Number three on the way. And like the craziest thing, I was actually at a foster mom's retreat the weekend before I found out I was pregnant. And, you know, just like spending so much time like praying while I was at the retreat and, you know, crying to God just because it's so hard um, loving Ami so much, but then, you know, not knowing what's going to happen with her situation and, mm -hmm. um, just like having to trust God with growing our family and having to trust God with taking care of us through all of foster care and adoption, all of the hardships that it brings, obviously, and all the joys because our greatest joys in our lives are our two kids that have come to us through foster care. But, but anyway, and then um, I was kind of feeling sick that whole weekend, <laughs> like weirdly sick. And I just didn't really understand what was going on. And then, yeah, then, you know, that the Holy Spirit. a couple days later <laughs> found out that we were pregnant. And, you know, it's just, it's been a little wild mm -hmm. um, trying to process how we're going to have three kids under 20 months, under 21 months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As long as this baby goes to term, we'll have a 21 month old, a 15 month old, and then a newborn. Wow. If, yeah. So that's going to be kind of wild. But again, like we couldn't have a better support system than mm -hmm. what we have here. You know, just so many friends and family who love us like so well and love our kids and who I know will be there for us, even though it's going to be challenging. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we're also just like over the moon grateful for these kids. Like every time I start to get overwhelmed, I just like think about how blessed we are. Like my kids are the best kids. I don't know. Yeah. I might be biased, but I don't think I am. <laughs> Pretty objective objectively <laughs> couldn't ask for more beautiful, wonderful children than Eli and Ami. So, um, so for however long, you know, Ami's with us and forever with Eli and for this new baby, we're just really just trying to focus on how blessed we are. Mm. So with all of these, uh, kind of these different periods where were you seeking out different information? Uh, cause it's like, do, do you need, what was there some stuff that was more blanketed or, uh, like, uh, like you mentioned some podcasts, were those more blanketed and covered some 
of all the topics of things that you were going through? Or were you like, wow, as soon as I was pregnant and we had, you know, we're about to have everyone, all these kids under 20 months or uh, were there more information you were trying to seek out or what was that process like? So I think I didn't find a ton of things that were exactly like what I could relate to, even in podcasts mm -hmm. with having, you know, um, especially not with just the Eli's case because safe arms for babies situations are so rare. I did find a couple that were, you know, really applicable to us that were really interesting to me and encouraging, but I found a lot more help through the podcasts I listened to as we've navigated Ami's case and just understanding, you know, how to exhibit Christ to all the people involved in the case, like social mm. workers and the biological family, even when it's really challenging, even when it's hard and trying to, you know, look at circumstances and situations that arise within, you know, the case with Ami. Um, and just remember that they're missing their baby, you know, and, um, and just putting myself in their shoes more and more. <clears throat> it's definitely hard, but like super important. And then also, you know, a lot of people who do foster care and adoption have really big families. And mm. so when I found out the third was coming, I found some consolation in talking to other big families or other families that have, you know, a lot of kids who are young. Actually, my one of my best friends who also did foster care um, and adoption, she ended up having, you know, adopting her daughter and then finding out that she was pregnant with twins just a couple. <laughs> actually, she was pregnant, like, I think she was three or four months pregnant with the twins when they finalized their adoption. So uh, she was also in that same boat of three babies under two. And mm -hmm. she survived and her kids are thriving. So <laughs> that is a huge um, encouragement to us. <laughs> Nice. There's a way is what you're saying. There's right? a way. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's really, that's a lot. That's a lot of like things all happening at once. Um, uh, so are you guys still fostering as of now? Like, I mean, I know Omni's there, but would, an, could another kid come in? Or are you guys like capped or, um, yeah, what does that look like? Depends on, depends on which one of us you ask, Josiah. <laughs> <laughs> So we have so had uh, we have had um, a, a pair of siblings um, for a few different weekends. Uh, there's something in foster care called respite care, where you're able to sign up to watch uh, foster kids for other families uh, when they need to you know, leave the state and aren't allowed to bring those kids with them, or, or if they just need kind of a reprieve um, overnight if they have a date night or you know whatever it might be. So we have had that. So we did have the, the four um, kids at once, under four, I think, for a few weekends. Under three. Under three. Four, yeah. four under three. For a couple weekends. So that was, um, I mean, they were a joy to have. But I think to me, it, it kind of helped me realize that we might be um, tapped out with the, the third one coming soon. But it's tough, uh, especially for Rachel, you know, the bigger yeah. softy of the two of us, you know, I think. <laughs> If she got a, a call for a, for a baby in need, I think I'd come home and there would be another one here. But <laughs> Seems like an ongoing process, you know? Yeah, we actually yeah. got a call today about a kid who needed a placement and 
I was really tempted to just call Taylor and see if he was going to go for it, but I knew he didn't. So I just said no, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's definitely hard for me to like fully close the door because obviously, you know, I look at our kids and I just wouldn't want to miss out on mm. something similar, you know, um, if our, if we have other babies that are out there right now, I just don't want to say no, but obviously I agree that with three kids, under two it's going to be kind of crazy for a while so we're probably mm. going to need to take some time but doing respite is a nice way that we can still like be part of the foster care community mm-hmm. and be contributing and be actively involved in helping these kids and their families but knowing that you know with like still maintaining our boundaries so yeah have you found any information that assists that that question of like over having too many kids or um or making it easier to say no because uh, you need to focus on the ones that are, you have at the moment. Is there, have you found any information or anything that's helped you with that decision, those decisions? I think that there are some, some states have limits. I don't know if Delaware does actually on how many kids you can have like under three or under five in your home at one time. Okay. Um, but I mean, no one's ever brought that up to me specifically. So Okay. But I also know that I think in Delaware, you can only have six kids total in your family um, before they'll close your home permanently for foster care. So kind of with that in mind, I don't want to like get all six kids and then have my home close and they're all like the same age. Mm. So I think that that helps me to kind of slow down a little bit. And because I I just want to continue to be part of foster care for quite some time. I think Taylor agrees. <laughs> yeah, it's tough um, because, you know, it sounds like, a, you know, this huge leap to possibly accept, you know, another placement, but then we see, you know, families taking on more all the time. Mm. But it's like, we don't want to, you know, close our hearts off totally to that because if, if God you know, wants that to happen, we want to be open to that. And I think it gets a little scary for me, um, but we just need to remember that and we, we, we try to pray about it often. I think even like two sounded like a lot at one time and now it's like, we can't imagine, you know, life without them. Yeah. It would be interesting to hear from a family who had uh, an experience where maybe they thought, you know, they took on too many kind of bit off maybe more than they could chew and kind of how that affected the kids. I, I haven't really you know come across a story like that, but I'm sure that has happened. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think you guys have answered all of the questions that I have. Is there anything else you would like to add or you'd like to say to the other people out there that are interested uh, in foster care or adoption? Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, personally, just these stories that, you know, I've heard on on Every Child podcast and, and from families at church, I think they have been so motivating to me and encouraging to us as a family. I'm not sure that we would have been able to do it when we did, if not, you know, for seeing those you know, examples around us of people just being willing to take that leap, you know, because they felt like Christ was calling them to do it. So I think that's just a really awesome thing that people are willing to share. And, you know, the one thing that I always tell people is like, yeah, it was scary uh, at first to make that leap. You know, Rachel was the one that really wanted to, you know, get started when we did. And you know, I'm so happy that she kind of pushed for it when she did, because that was God's timing you know, for us to get Elijah. 
but just it's been the you know the greatest joy i think in our lives like having these kids and like uh, pretending that it doesn't come with challenges is silly and i think they they emphasize that in the training but um it's also not something that should scare you away i mean the challenges that come with it um just the joy that comes with um, being able to love these kids and just seeing them you know grow and thrive and, and develop into who they're going to be it's it's just been an amazing experience and, and so encouraging and reaffirming for me and my faith like i feel like i've really come to trust god more than ever through this so it's just amazing how much it's done you know for us when it's you know, kind of pitched as something that we should do for the kids yeah and i think for me especially as as i've listened to all of these different podcasts which are so have been so helpful and so encouraging to me in so many different ways but at the same time like trusting god that he is writing our story in the unique way that he wants to write it in you know um definitely some people have told us that we kind of went into foster care with the wrong mindset and you know probably objectively we did because we really wanted to adopt and then later on we kind of um started to understand more of the reunification goal but like god is so gentle and merciful even in that and gave us basically our first real placement was a slam dunk adoption, you know? And so God called us to do foster care. I kind of was like feeling that call so strongly, but also I was so horrified because I knew that I would get so attached and it would be hard for me to let go. And then God was so gracious in giving us Eli and God has, you know, been with us every step of the way, helping us through, you know, all the losses, helping us, you know, as we navigate um, Ami's case and not knowing kind of what's going to happen. And mm -hmm. it's definitely still an everyday struggle for me to trust God that he knows what's best for her and that he loves and cares for her more than I do. But um, yeah, just, I think it's just really important to go into it, like following God's leading and not what other people say. Mm. Um, and to just trust him in however he leads you and knowing that he is gentle and loving and he, you know, will be there for you and give you everything that you need in the time that you need it. So that's what we found through this whole journey. Definitely increase our faith. Like Taylor was saying. Mm -hmm. so. Wow. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. You have uh, amazing, amazing insight. It's uh, really awesome to hear you guys' story. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there's people out there that are considering foster care that will be encouraged um, or adoption uh, by your guys' story. So thank you so much. Uh, uh, and uh, that'll be it for, for this one. Hopefully we might have you on another one, maybe. Okay. Thanks for <laughs> having us. Depends on if you adopt another kid. Yeah, we'll see if we make yeah, it we'll back. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Check the ratings. Okay, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks. See you. Thanks for listening. The Every Child podcast comes from Real Wood Floors, a company working till the day every child is home.